you know, we've we've all probably read and heard about the 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 outpourings that are occurring across the United States on college campuses, and and I've got that's that's wonderful news. That's great news. But I've I've got good news for you today that it doesn't have to be a college campus on a college town somewhere, and it can be right here in Blue Well. And that God is God's spirit is moving. God's spirit is 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 bigger than the earth itself. God's spirit is is bigger than the universe. And he is moving even right here this morning in Voice of Praise Worship Center. We want to welcome you. Uh welcome you home to church. If you're watching live, we want to welcome you home via live stream this morning. And we're so glad. That you're here, but we're so glad that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here among us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to Psalms chapter 62. And, uh, I mean, in our, the life group that Sarah and I set in, Alicia's does, she's been doing such a fine job and, and the conversation has been so good these last couple of weeks and, and we've been focusing in, uh, it seems like on the Psalm in, in many of our conversation. But as you turn to Psalm 62, I want to share with you a little bit of a of an account, a little bit of a story. The year is 1762. Uh, the person is the Reverend A.M. Toplady. And he was a missionary preacher. He's driving his horse and buggy along the coast of England and uh, along a section that is called the Berryton George Gorge, excuse me, the Berryton Gorge, and a ferocious storm just comes out of seemingly nowhere. The storm is so ferocious that Top Laddie begin to uh, search for opportunity for shelter. His only opportunity for shelter was found in the hillside rocks of the Berryton Gorge. And that's where he remained. It's somewhat an unknown period of time. But that is where he remained until the storm passed by. It was while in that storm that he wrote a very famous song that I'm going to share with you shortly. He began to think about upon Exodus 33. At Exodus 33, you will find there that, that Moses was desiring to see the face of the Lord. And, and God told Moses, nobody can look upon my face and live, but I'm going to allow you to see me. I'm going to hide you in, in the cleft or the crevices of the rocks and there, and I will pass by, but you only behold the glory from my hinder parts as it is described in scripture. You see, and out of God's grace and mercy, he was shielding Moses from his all-consuming glory because God fully understood and he still knows that, that, you know, we, we only, we only see a small percentage or a smidgen, if you would, of God's glory. What we have experienced in this room this morning is, is just a, just a, a, a fraction of a fraction, if you would, of God's glory. We are not capable of handling God's glory in our natural bodies. And God says to Moses, I'll let you, uh, behold the glory from my, my, my backside, if you would, by hiding you. God was being merciful to Moses and he was protecting him. 
with that thought in mind, as Top Laddie thought on those, uh, on that thought in Exodus chapter 33, he wrote the timeless lyrics that, that, that go all the way back to 1762 and, and, and they're still resonant in, in the, in the lives of believers today. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself. In thee. If we go now to Psalm 62. Psalm 62, the psalmist wrote these, this song, these words. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Here we go, Alicia. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intended to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies, and with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is. Our refuge. I want to preach to you for a few minutes with a a little bit of turn on the old adage. But I want to preach to you about a rock in a hard place. A rock in a hard place. Many times in our lives, you and I need a rock. We find uh, those times really are probably more often than not. We need a rock. We need a place to hide. We need some substantial ground to stand on. We need an unshakable foundation to build our faith on. If your faith is built on anything else than the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible declares that your faith is on seeking sand. It has no basis in your house will fall. If your if your if your rock is in the the government of this great land we live in, it's surely to fall. If your rock is in substance, if your rock is in is in uh some other entity, uh your faith is going to fall because you're on sinking sand. Our foundation is to be built on God and God alone. We need an unsound, that unshakable foundation to build our faith on, our home zone, and our family zone. If we're building upon anything else, it's all in vain. It's going to certainly fail. When this life is through and uh, and here we go. Our, our face, our, our uh, life group this morning. It sort of got really got into my message, and, and we talked about how when this life is through, we need something or someone bigger than our impending death. You see, we we think along the terms of this life itself. 
But as I look around this room, I, I happen to know and, and I, I don't, I, it's nothing to be ashamed of and I think she should be very proud. In fact, I think she's very proud of Miss Eunice as far as I know is the oldest person in this room this morning. At just 93 years young, is that right? 92 years, 92 years young and just as beautiful as ever, right? No matter how long we stay in this life, no matter how long our lifespan holds on this side of eternity, it is nothing compared to eternity itself. Because if you could count the grains of sand on the sea or the stars in heaven, this, this life along is, is, is very minute. It doesn't even compare to that. It's so small. It's such a fraction when compared into eternity. And because this life is temporary, because this life is so small, we need a firm foundation to stand on. I'm trying very hard to get a, not get ahead of myself this morning. But I, I want you to keep that in mind. That, that this life is so very small. This life is so minute. There are 59 verses in Scripture that refer to God in His presence as being a rock. We're going to look at only four of those 59 illustrations this morning. We're categorizing it a bit, if you would. So this morning I want to share with you the, that the, the rock of Jesus in four different aspects. And those four aspects are very critical to you and I as we go through this life, but not only as we go through this life, but as we face eternity. Aspect number one would be Jesus the saving stone. Jesus the saving stone. Out in the wilderness, Israel was dying of thirst. We know that. God told Moses to go out and hit a rock. Uh, word smite is used in the King James Version. And when he did, that rock broke open and life-giving water came gushing out. You'll find that story in Exodus chapter 17. So, go out and strike the rock and the life-giving water will come out. Let me tell you something. Jesus was struck. Jesus was smitten for you and I. That life-giving water out of His body, out of His life, that out of His being, there came life. And that life is only going to found through and by Jesus. I've already said it, but let me re-say it one more time. There's great value. There's great value in repetition. Listen, if you are looking, if you are searching, and, and you're trying to find what you need in your life, it could be in it can be in a pill, it could be in a joint, it can be in a bottle, it can be in a relationship, it can be in money, it can be in stuff and belongings, and it can be in in all kinds of things. But if you whatever you're doing, if you're looking for that and you're trying to find the peace that your soul longs for, you're barking up the wrong tree. You will never find it. It will only listen as soon as 
the second or third uh, car or boat or motorcycle payment is made, listen, the joy is going to be gone. When you wake up the next morning and you're hung over and you're strung out and you're messed up, it's going to be gone. When you wake up and you find that the relationship that you have entered into has been nothing but wrong, listen, you're going to realize it didn't work out. The only answer, the only thing that's going to help you reach that, that joy, that inside yearning that you have is a relationship with God and that's only going to be found through the rock that was broken, Jesus Christ. And out of Him comes the living water that you and I so need. So if you're looking up any other tree, you're barking up the wrong tree because you will never, ever find what you need in life. You or I, neither one of us will. Neither one of us will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul explains that that rock that, that, that Moses struck was, was a picture and it was a type of Jesus. We are dying. You and I are dying in a spiritual wilderness as soon as and sure as we are born in this world. And on that cross, God laid our sins upon Jesus and poured out on Him the penalty for our sins. If you don't believe me, go check out Isaiah 53, verse 5. Read what Isaiah says. It, Jesus did that for us. He is our secure rock. He is our safe haven in a world that is lost. And if you think this world is going to get better, you're probably wrong. You're probably wrong. Because until we pass from life unto death, even as a Christian, even as a Christian, because we are saved and Again, I go back to our, our life group this morning, and I know I, most of you are weren't in there. But even as Christians, we need not expect that this life is is not going to be full of troubles and trials. In fact, I find the opposite of that in Scripture. I find that this, this our days are are short, and the Bible says they're full of trouble, full of problems, even as believers. But oh, we've got such a great hope. We've got a hope in Jesus Christ. We've got a rock that we can stand on. When the storms are coming, we can stand upon the rock. When, when difficulties are coming, we, we stand upon the rock. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is the saving stone of our life. Secondly, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We live in a world that sometimes we think it's unusual, but it's really not. There's been many religions, even the day that Jesus, uh, during his 33 years of, uh, of, of being incarnate and living, it was God made flesh and living in a fleshly body. There were many religions in the world of that day. There's still many religions in the world today, probably even more. There's many religions and, and, and I, I really, I somewhat despise that word of religion. I don't like equating religion with Christianity. Because my, what, my belief in my, and my, my, my commitment to Jesus Christ is not about a following a religion, but it's about entering into a relationship with Him. Jesus is that chief cornerstone. He, uh, in fact, Isaiah 28 identifies that, that He is our firm foundation. 
Now, many of you guys in the room, and maybe even some of you ladies, I, I, I know that you, you're familiar with building and, and you know how important it is to have a good foundation if you're building a building. If you don't have a good foundation, you can build a sturdy building, but it's going to begin to lean and 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 twist and turn and and maybe even sink, and, and more than likely, it's eventually going to fall down. You see, the importance of a foundation to us is <clears throat> remarkable. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. What uh, what does that really mean? What does that mean to us? Twice in uh, Isaiah twenty-eight and sixteen. Twice, he talks about the foundation, the cornerstone being the foundation. The the chief cornerstone is the, the spot where two corners of the first part of a foundation come together. Sarah and I... Uh, blessed to go to Israel. And I shared this, uh, I think that was in Life Group as well last week. But Sarah and I have been blessed to go to Israel and they, they, as they took us around the, the walls of Jerusalem, they began to show us, uh, part of the original wall. You don't get to see much of the original wall because through years of war and, and siege, the original wall was destroyed. But, but there was one portion of the original wall that we got, we, we were blessed to see and they, they showed to us a stone. It was, the stone was perfectly square. And it was in perfect dimension if you measured it. It was huge. It was like as, about as long as this room is that we're in today. It was remarkable. How did they move such a stone? How did they hew out a stone so perfectly? But we, we, we were, it was identified that that was the chief cornerstone of Jerusalem. That is the stone that all the other stones were built around. You see, when we begin to think about Jesus, He is the, He is referred to, if you would, as the cornerstone. It's the part that everything else is built. Listen, if your experience, if your salvation, if your, and I'll use that word I despise, if your religion is built around anything other than Jesus Christ, you're, you're missing it. You're missing it. Yeah, and you're at subject to failure, if you would. Jesus is the irreplaceable, indispensable foundation stone, cornerstone for all life. Until He is in that place and He holds that position in your life and in my life, I've got news for you. Nothing that we construct, nothing that we build, nothing we create is going to survive. Can I say that one more time? Jesus is the irreplaceable, indispensable foundation, cornerstone for all of life. Until He finds that place in my life and your life, all the other things that we build upon, all the other things that we do, they are going to crumble. They are going to fail. Most people tend to search out the corner pieces by putting... You know, uh, when they, when they go to put together a jigsaw puzzle. Any of y'all ever put together puzzles? Jigsaw puzzles? I know you younger people, y'all might not like that kind of stuff. When you get older, you do stuff. Sarah and I got into that a few years ago. And I, I would find myself setting up three. One morning I set up four o'clock in the morning, putting, trying to find puzzle. It's little, it's one of those little bitty, she likes those like 5,000 pieces, you know. But you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but if I'm putting a jigsaw puzzle together, you know what I like to do first? I like to find my corners. I like to find my corners, and then you, you make all the outline, and then you start feeling... I, I never start in the middle and work my way out. 
I don't, I don't really know of anybody that does. Maybe you do, but if you do, you're weird, okay? No, no. You start with the corner. Jesus wants to be the corner. Just like putting a puzzle together on your living room, uh, on your coffee table, or maybe on your dining table. Uh, or, you know, we have a little card table that we used to use to put them together. But whatever you do, listen, if you start with the corner, if you will establish that cornerstone in your life, let Jesus be the chief cornerstone. Without Him, life just, just, just doesn't come together quite right. And you're going to work yourself to death trying to make all the pieces fit. But when you start with the jigsaw puzzle, you get your corners right and everything else begins to come together. Listen, when you get the corner right, when you get the cornerstone right, when you get all that right, the cornerstone helps everything else in life come together. Is it going to be perfect? No, I've already told you that. It's not going to be perfect. But everything, every other thing in your life will begin to come together better when you have Jesus as the cornerstone of your life. Again, what does that mean? That means the beginning part of the foundation. To build on anything else. Is to build on seeking sand. Wow. Jesus. The third aspect. Is Jesus the dividing stone? We don't like to think about that. The last thing we want in the church, in any church wants, is division in the church. The last thing any family wants is division in the family. But yet we find Jesus the dividing stone. To those of us who believe and trust Him, Jesus is a sanctuary. He's a sanctuary. What's a sanctuary? A sanctuary is a safe place. It's a place to take shelter. To those of us that believe, Jesus is a sanctuary. It's a place of safety. But for those that do not believe and those who have not cast their trust and and their confidence in the Lord, they have not yielded their life to Him... Jesus becomes a stumbling stone or a stumbling block. We find in Scripture that that He will be a stumbling block to both of the houses of Israel. If you study Isaiah chapter 8 and then you begin to look at Romans chapter 9 and you find that both Israel and Judah, Jesus became a stumbling block to them. He's still a stumbling block to the Jews. He's the rock that caused them to fall. They say, man, I didn't think Jesus came to cause trouble. He didn't come to cause trouble. But yet, but yet, when we fail to trust Him, when we fail to believe in Him, when we fail to put our confidence in Him, He becomes a stumbling block to us. He has become a stumbling block to many, to actually the majority of people in this great nation that we live in right now. Did you know that? Because they can't, they, they don't want to, to trust Him. They don't want to grab, grab hold of His gospel. They don't want to believe His message. Listen, I want to say something. Probably not going to leave me real popular right here at this moment, but we have heard so much. We sang this morning, I love the song. You know, He is, He is, you know, oh, how I love Him. You know, Crowder did a great job writing that song. It's a wonderful song. But we have heard so much about God is love, God is love, God is love, God is not judge. God. And, and we, we 
have totally forgot that He is going to come back to this world to judge this world and the elements thereof. We forget that He is still God of all amazing grace and God of all mercy, but He is still God of all righteous judgment. Listen, we have a God that yes, He loves us. Yes, He has mercy on us. Yes, He has grace on us. But He is also a God of judgment that is coming to judge this world. He is a God that is going to judge even the worst of the saints. He is the God that's going to judge the lost. He is righteous in all of His ways and all of His doing. So amidst all of that, he yes, He is a dividing stone because the sheep will be separated from the goats. Darkness will be separated from the light. And the dividing stone will judge this world someday. But we don't like to hear that too much. That doesn't, that doesn't make us popular preachers, okay? It doesn't make us popular people when we talk about that side of God. But yet, maybe we're doing, as preachers and teachers, but yet maybe we're doing an injustice to those that, that hear us by not sharing that word. You see, but Jesus, the dividing stone, We use a lot of factors to distinguish humanity. We use skin color. We use race. We, we use male and female and, and no, I'm not going over into the woke movement, you know, and, and there, there are things that distinguish us one from another. You got redheads and you got bald heads and you know, you, you got, you you know, we, we use all kinds of things to distinguish one another. But I want you to understand this with me this morning. The only thing that God uses to distinguish us one from another, yes, we're personal with Him. He knows He knows the very number of hair on our heads. And for some of us in this room, that's easier than it is with others. But but in the, in the sum of things, you know what? You know how God distinguishes us? God distinguishes us as either being saved or lost. There's no in-between. It doesn't matter what to him. It's irrelevant what color our skin is, the length of our hair, what race car driver we like or what football team we like. It's irrelevant to him whether we like old music or new music. It's irrelevant to him whether what all of that stuff is not what he he does. He doesn't. He but but the dividing line comes either we're saved or we're lost. We're either saved or we're lost. That's, that's the, that's the dividing line of God. Jesus, the dividing stone. He knows our heart better than anybody. And, but, but we can also know our heart. You're either one of those who believe, or you're one of those who don't. The family of the world, travelers that were on that great ship, the Titanic. Y'all remember that story? I, did I, I think I heard that movie's coming back out again. It's going to be a remake of the Titanic. So I've read the story that, that, that has the, 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 the families, the families that were still on land. They were still on dry, dry land. The families of those that were travelers on that great ship Titanic. After the news was spread and, and people, these families started gathering to hear the ill fate of their loved ones. They were actually divided into two groups. The two groups were the people that were known to be saved and the people that were known to be lost. There wasn't any in between. You were either in one group or the other. And so it is with us and God. We either is 
or we ain't. We are either saved or we're not saved. I used to hear people talk about, well, I'm sort of straddle of the fence. No. Sad news for you. I don't find any reference to fence straddling. Either we is or we ain't. You know, Jesus is that dividing line. Jesus is what, making that decision for Jesus is what separates us from the lost unto salvation. So Jesus, dividing stone. Lastly, Jesus, the conquering stone. Jesus, the conquering stone. If you read Daniel chapter 2, you find there the story of uh, Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And as Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream, there is a stone that is carved out of a mountain, which tells me it's probably a huge stone. It's a powerful stone. It's a big stone. And as that stone is hewn out of the mountain... It rolls down from the mountain and it destroys all the kingdoms of the world. Y'all ever heard that stone? I heard about a stone that was hewn out of the mountain. I heard about a stone that came rolling down from Babylon. I heard about a stone that was hewn out of the mountain and destroyed the kingdoms of the world. Read Daniel chapter 2. This stone that is hewn out of the mountain, it crushes the kingdoms of the world. Jesus is that eternal stone. Victory, i got good news for you. I've already, I've already upset some of you probably. I've already discouraged some of you. Tell, yeah, listen, salvation is not hard. It just, it's giving, dedicating your life to Jesus. Accepting Him as your Savior. It's not a hard thing to do. The stone eternal, hewn out of the mountain. You see this dream, oh Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You see, it's a prophetic dream. It's a prophetic dream that has yet to be fulfilled in its entirety. Now, that's sort of a double, whatever you call it. it, it it's... It's, it's a prophetic dream that, that is yet to be fulfilled in its entirety. Because let me tell you something. Jesus hasn't come back yet. But He is. Jesus has allowed Himself to only have limited authority of the world. He has given Satan the opportunity to work in this world. But yet, he holds the reins. Jesus holds the reins. But there's coming a day as I, as I study scripture and I, I find there's coming a day, and I, I think I said this last week, but in that scripture, I, I read that, that the, Jesus sets one foot on land and the other foot is planted on the sea and he declares that time will be no more. You see, if you're one of those people that are waiting on a fiery destruction and the world, is going, the earth is going to explode into a bazillion pieces and it's not going to exist anymore, your, your, your biblical understanding is a bit messed up because the Bible doesn't say that. 
But what it says that Jesus comes back, He sets one foot on land, He sets the other foot on sea, and He declares that time will be no more, and He takes over this earth in its fullness once again like He was in the beginning. And what happens then is that stone, that conquering stone, has already secured that victory. It has already been prophesied. It's engraved into the plan of heaven. It's going to happen. The stone rolling through the Babylon is next is the next great event to occur here on earth. And what you and I have to do is we have to be ready for that to occur. Because Jesus is coming. And I'm in my youthful 61 years. I know some of you are looking at me and say, oh man, there's no way he's that old. In my youthful 61 years, uh, uh, out of my youthful 61 years, about 45 of those, or maybe, well, really more than that, probably 40, 48, 47 or 48 of those youthful 61 years, I have spent around Pentecostal churches, and I have heard that Jesus is coming back ever since I started. In fact, when I first came to the Lord, it was because I watched a film. You know, this was back in the days when showing films in church was negative. And they had those big old projectors like we used to have. And they still have those things in school, those old big projectors. And they, some of y'all my age, y'all remember those things in school. Big old Bell and Hal projector had two big old reels about this big around on it. And that thing would sit there and go... And you know, and, and you can see the, you know, on, on the screen. I, I went... The church that I was attending, I was I was going to youth group at that church, and they showed a film called "On the Road to Armageddon," and it was depicting uh, the the final day, that final battle in the Valley of Megiddo. And I had no idea what any of that stuff was about. And it showed people's eyeballs burning out in their sockets, and it it showed uh, blood flowing up to the bridles of the horses. And and, and in that in that day in the seventies, it was a very vivid depiction in that day of what the army. Getting is going to be like scared the daylights out of me. I didn't want to go through that. Whoever said this was going to happen, I believed them that it was going to happen. And I didn't even know why, but I ran up to an altar crying and weeping in tears as a teenage boy. And, and I, I listen, I didn't really understand a whole lot about getting saved, but I knew I didn't want to go through that. And ever since that time, I've been hearing about Jesus coming. And I've heard, I've heard people say that he's gonna come on such and such date, and, and he's gonna come on this date, and he's gonna come on that day. Okay, I want y'all to stay with me right now. And all those people have messed up, but I am going to tell you when Jesus is coming. I've got that answer for you this month. He's coming on the day of the Lord in an hour that you think not. That's when he's coming. Just like a thief in the night. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming. I still, I still believe, I still believe in the imminent. That means we don't know when and we don't know why, but we just know it's going to happen and it could happen at any time. Okay, that's what imminent means. I still believe in the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not waiting for stars to come in alignment. I'm not waiting for the planets to get all lined up. I'm not waiting for something to happen in China or Russia or anywhere else. I believe Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes and He raptures the church out, let me tell you what, 
it, it, there, there's a process and I, I don't have time to go through all of that. There's seven years of great tribulation. There's other things that are going to occur. But I can tell you, once he, once, once the church leaves this world, the stone is going to start dislodging itself from the mountain, so to speak. And the stone is going to come rolling through Babylon. And all the great power and all the great authority and all the great, the great people of this world and the kingdoms of this world are going to have to give way to the stone that's rolling out of the mountain because Jesus is coming back to rule and reign on this earth. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you have met the saving stone and he is your cornerstone and you have found yourself on the right side of the dividing stone then here's the good news when that stone comes rolling down from Babylon and destroys the kingdom of the world I find that that stone is not coming alone but there's an army of saints that are coming along with him to inhabit the earth and that comes to me and that comes to you and God is God is going to do something on this earth now when's it going to happen on the day of the Lord in an hour you think not I had some of y'all going on that, didn't I? <laughs> some of, Kath, I thought I thought Kathy's glasses were fogging up back there for a minute when I see, you know. But listen, Reverend Top Laddie was caught up in the midst of a fierce storm. Nikki, pull up that other slide for me, please. Top Laddie caught, the Reverend Top Laddie caught himself in a fierce, fierce, what is believed to be the most fierce storm he'd ever experienced in his life. And he was hiding in the rocks of the, that cliff, if you would. He was hiding in the rocks of that gorge, seeking safety from the storm. Listen. You know, y'all know I'm full of old songs. I love old songs. We used to sing one that says, When the, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. That's another good one, Ballard. Hide thou me. Used to sing another one. Oh, thou blessed rock of ages. The top laddie wrote this one. Rock of ages. Cleft. Cleft, a hiding place just for me. Jesus is a hiding place just for you. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite no? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. They could come to thee for dress. Help us look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. 
while I draw, listen to this. I just wonder if Top Laddie thought he was dying. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death. Listen, I've preached a lot of funerals over the last 30 some years. There's not been one funeral that I've ever preached that a U-Haul was behind the hearse. I've seen people put things in the casket, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? If you were to go and, and retrieve the grave right now, those items would still be there. We do that, that because it brings us comfort. But when you draw this last fleeting breath, when your eyes shall close in death. Top Laddie said, When I soar to worlds unknown and see thee on thy judgment throne. Rock of ages. He goes back to that place of safety. Rock of ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Jesus. The solid rock. Jesus, the rock that we can stand on. Jesus, the rock that will save us. Jesus, the rock that we can build upon. Jesus, the rock that divides sin from righteousness. Jesus, the rock that will come back to conquer the kingdoms of this world. Prudential insurance, I don't even know if they're still in business or not, but their advertisement used to say, get a piece of the rock. I don't want you to have a piece of the rock. This morning, I want you to leave this room with the entire rock. I don't want you to just have a little bit of Jesus. I want you to have the whole rock. Prudential, you had to pay a premium. If you didn't pay your premium, you didn't have any more piece of the rock. They canceled on you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for me for just a moment. And upon doing so, I want to ask you a question this morning. If you're in this room and you've never really trusted the Lord, and if, if, listen, if you're not sure, if you're not sure if the, you're, you're, if you were to die today, you were go to heaven. If you're not sure if the rapture of the church would take place today, that you would, you would go and be called up to be with the Lord. If you're not sure of that, then, This call will merit a response from you. If you're here today and you're not certain that you are on the rock, Jesus Christ, you've committed your life to Him. If you're not certain of that, or if you know, maybe you know you've never done that. But if you know you never have or you're uncertain of where you stand with the Lord without embarrassing you, I want you to slip your hand up right quick right now. Nobody's looking around. Is there somebody in this room that says, pray for me? Thank you. Is there anybody else in this room that says, pray for me? Christ the Lord Cornerstone.
anyone else real quickly. Anybody, is there anybody in this room that needs to rededicate your life? Pastor, I need to rededicate my life. Slip up your hand real quickly for me. Okay, I want you to look this way at me. I want to, I want to make a statement. This not, this is not a statement of self-defense. It's not a disclaimer at all. But I want you to know something this morning. What I've preached to you, what I've preached to you this morning, and you heard, I spoke earlier in the message about we want, we always, we're desiring to hear songs about the love the Father has for us. We, we sing songs, we like messages about that, so forth and so on. I want you to know something this morning. You just heard the greatest expression of love that I could possibly give you this morning. That Jesus loves you. You just heard the greatest expression of love because when I, when I tell you that, that Jesus wants to be your rock, when I tell you that, 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 that Jesus is, uh, uh, is, uh, wants to be the foundation, He wants to provide for you the foundation that you can build on. When I tell you that Jesus is the divider between sin and righteousness, and I tell you that He's coming back to conquer, to, to, to destroy the elements of this earth that will be left behind. Let me tell you something. I'm giving you the greatest message of love and compassion and grace and mercy that you could ever hear. And I understand it's not been a message about that, that He, He wants to, He wants to, you know, pat you on the head and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, all that's a part of it, but understand it to me. You don't, I, I hope you, I convey to you this seat this morning the love that God has for you in creation. If you raised your hand in this room this morning to rededicate your life, or if you raised your hand in this room this morning that you're unsure about uh, your eternal destiny, I, don't, I want to give you opportunity to come. And as you come, I'm going to invite others to come along with you. But today, this is very serious business. It's very There is nothing. Listen, it's tax time. Some of y'all have already done your taxes. I haven't even started. We haven't even really started on ours yet. But listen, taxes are serious business. But there's nothing that you have to do that is serious. As knowing your call and election is sure with God. This is a call of repentance. All of committing your life to the Lord. But everybody that can and will, I want you all to come and join me down here at the altar. Everybody that can and will.